Royce, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast, another winning podcast after a 1-0 win at Southampton at the weekend. This is becoming quite the habit, isn't it, Simon? How are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Um, as last time, as last time out, really, feeling good after a winning weekend. It it just makes it makes life all the better, doesn't it? When we you know when we win and we're on a, a very nice run. So yeah, I'm doing good. Good weekend and uh, yeah, topped off with a three points for the Villa. Absolutely loving it. We had a fantastic day in Southampton uh, the weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Thank you uh, so much for your continued support on the podcast. They're going really well. Please do subscribe on Apple or Spotify or whatever you're listening to so you never miss an episode. They're normally available on Monday mornings for your trip to university, school, work, listen on your commute, whatever suits you. Please do leave a review if you do go on to enjoy the podcast. It really helps it push out and it's very much appreciated. Coming up in this pod, we'll talk about our trip to Southampton, the performance, the atmosphere, a couple of controversial moments as well. We'll also spend probably half the podcast lauding Unai Emery like we did last week probably because I am absolutely loving life under him at the moment. And of course, a little bit of transfer chat as well. A few things going on at the Villa. A couple of things already happened, a couple of things potentially happening. So we'll chat about that. Southampton, mate. How was that? So, so good. I'm buzzing. I don't think it was our best performance in the world. A bit like Leeds, really. I don't think it was incredible. But six points out of six points out of the last two games where we weren't great. It's a great sign, isn't it, to get those wins where you're not you're not performing to the best of your ability, really? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think we we weren't we weren't spectacular, were we? We were, you know, we sort of went there with a game plan. Um, I think we dominated the game in terms of possession. We we had a lot of the ball. Um, we didn't create a lot. I mean, we we had a, we had a good few chances. We didn't create absolute loads, but um, on the overall play, I think it was at half time, and you and you looked at it. And you thought, yeah, we got a chance in the second half to to, to come away and nick this one nil. And I think I said to you at half time that I reckon we'll win this one nil second half. It just felt set up for it. Just a real professional performance, really. I mean, very solid sort of defensively. Midfield sort of dominated the uh, the game, and then sort of clinical, really. I mean, Ollie Watkins really in the game had. Had one chance and he scores it, and so yeah, not a not a spectacular performance, but I think it's important that when you don't play well, if you, if you can pick up points, then it shows that you know you're going to be quite sort of high up in the table at the end of the season, and um and that's what we're doing at the moment. We're not playing spectacularly, you know, we weren't great against uh, Wolves, we weren't great against Leeds, really, we weren't great yesterday, and yet we picked up seven points out of the nine available, out of them three games, and so. Yeah, all credits, all credits to the players. I think they're really sort of playing for the manager, and all credits to the manager because he keeps working out these tactics and these formations to sort of, you know, get the better of the opposition. It's working a treat at the moment. Yeah, I was saying to to you, I think in the pub before on the coach, wherever it was. When was the last time we had sort of like a late winner? And I, I, <laughs> I just can't remember the last time. I think Conser versus Watford at home, potentially Trezeguet versus Leicester, which I think was in the same week. It just feels like, especially away from home, it feels like ages we've had a late winner, and I, I, I am classed in seventy seventh minute as a late winner. So absolutely loving it. And those sort of classic 1-0 away gritty wins where you aren't at your best. They're almost that little bit sweeter, aren't they? Where, you know, you haven't steamrolled a team or anything like that. It just makes it that little bit sweeter for me. Um, but going into the game, I think team news was pretty much self-explanatory, wasn't it? The thing that we were talking about, especially on the way to the ground, 
was the weak bench, wasn't it? Two goalkeepers on there, a couple of youngsters in uh, Young and Sinisalo was on there, of course. It, it wasn't quite as strong, obviously, because of Danny Ings going out. But I think first team speaks for itself. It's just that bench was a little bit weak, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I think that, that shows that we've still got injuries in there in, with the likes of John McGinn and uh, Luca Dean and Carlos are injured. And um, obviously, Bednarek couldn't be on the bench because uh, of his parent club at Southampton. Um, so I think it... Yeah, it showed that we we've we've got a way to go to sort of fill out the squad, especially with the departure of Danny Ings and obviously Archer went this month as well. So I feel like we've still got a little bit of work to do in the last week or ten days of the window, whatever's whatever's left. But I think it also told a, a story about some of the players that don't feature in Emery's plans as well, like the likes of Nakamba, who couldn't even get on the bench yesterday. And yeah, that's a bench. Says it all, doesn't it? It does when you get two keepers on the bench and you've got um, two very young players on the bench. It does say it all, and I think Augustinson was another one. I know that the I know that he's saying that he could go back to uh, you know uh, Sevilla, and he and he was back fit apparently. That's what he said in his press conference yeah. on uh, Thursday or Friday, and yet he wasn't even on the bench either. And so I think it speaks volumes, to be honest with you, about the players that he doesn't see futures for at the club. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think that was the only worrying aspect of it, really. If we needed someone to come on and change the game yesterday, for instance, say if that Southampton goal had been awarded, what would we have had on the bench to sort of change the game? And we probably didn't have that yesterday, which was the which was probably the only worry. I mean, we're not worried about it now because we, obviously we've, we've won the game, but it could have it could have been a different story if we needed someone to to come on and try and grab that goal for us. I think we probably would have would have struggled with that. What I quite like about Unai Emery in his in his press conferences and interviews after the game, he's quite straightforward, isn't he? When it comes to transfers, I think you messaged me on Friday or Thursday, whenever the press conference was, about how direct he was about Nakamba. Like he doesn't mess around. I think that's that's quite refreshing, isn't it? Like he will tell you how it is regarding players, especially players going out. Players coming in, obviously, you can't say too much, of course, but he says it how it is, and that's quite refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's refreshing as a fan because he's just so open and honest. And, you you know, we sort of had managers in the past where you don't quite believe what they're saying at press conferences. I, I remember we've had managers in the past where we've been talking about injuries and are we actually, you know, is the manager really telling the truth about injuries and transfers? And Emery's totally the opposite, isn't he? He just speaks the the absolute truth, doesn't he? Which is good for the fans, but I also think it's good for the players as well because although he, I've, I mean, I, I mean, what I was talking about last Thursday or Friday was that he name checked Nakamba and Sanson to be moving on uh, this uh, this month, hopefully. But then he went on to sort of give praise to Morgan Sanson and say, oh, he does think he's a good player, but if he was given the opportunity to move, he could do. Um, and the thing I highlighted was that he picked out Sanson. He didn't pick out Nakamba at all. And that said it all for me, really, about exactly what he thought or he thinks of Nakamba. I don't like the cloak and dagger stuff that sometimes football managers do when you don't quite know what the situation is and you're sort of left guessing. Um, I suppose that that is refreshing from Emery, but I mean he's only he's only he's only saying what we all know anyway. We all know that Nakamba's probably not the answer going forward, and the same with Sanson and Augustinson, etc. I think that's the thing with Villa. We've got to sort of trim the fat of the squad a little bit as well before we bring in quality. Because while we say that we we haven't got strength in depth, we've still got players who are hanging around our squad who we all know aren't good enough or won't be featuring in our future, sort of thing. And so I think from the owner's point of view, they'll want the manager to sort of trim those players out before we bring players in. And I think that's what he alluded to in the press conference. He was talking about how they want a central midfielder, ideally, but they they still need to get rid of Sanson and Nakamba. And it makes sense because, you know, those two players probably cost Villa, what, nearly, what, what, what was it, like over 20-odd 20, over million between the two of them. I'd like to see them both get moves. I think they deserve that. Um, and it will help us move on as well and help us bring in better quality. Yeah, I think those two will definitely move out 
when clubs sort of start panicking towards the end of the window, last sort of week, three, four days, whatever it is, I think those two will definitely get moves and hopefully so, like you said, so we can get a couple of recruits in there for sure. First half then, I thought we controlled it pretty well. I don't think it was the best first half we've ever seen. I think you said in the video after time it was one of the worst you'd seen, but I think we, we controlled it. I don't think there was too many major events, to be honest. I know Ramsey had an effort that Bazunu saved and then Bailey missed the rebound. A couple of penalty shouts in there, but it, it wasn't the best spectacle, was it, that first half? No, it wasn't, but it was a, it was a funny game really because when you look at the chances we had in the first half we probably had more than the first half than we did the second half but it was one of them it was one of them halves where it was it felt very sort of stop start especially with the whole drone situation going on um and it yeah it, it just yeah it felt like it was at that point it felt like it was destined sort of for, for a nil nil a couple of penalty shots we had um a couple of decent chances Ramsey's shot was straight at the keeper after a nice little move that we had um and then Bailey obviously missed the rebound so we had a few chances, but I think it was going to be one of them games, if I'm being honest, where there wasn't a lot of chances in the game. And I think that's because of how we play away from home under Unai Emery. Um, but also because of Southampton, they're fighting for their lives and they've been and they've been playing well recently. You know, the last four games or so, they've been really good. And so I don't think we were ever going to turn up at St. Mary's and, and carve them open time after time. I don't think it was going to happen. They were always going to sort of defend strongly. I think from minute one, Villa was sort of calm, really, and sort of composed. Um the midfield, we played really well in midfield, I thought. I thought Kamara and Louise were, were excellent again together in midfield. As always. Yeah, absolutely. And then I thought JJ, I thought he played really well as well. I thought he's starting to get his match fitness back up and I thought he was like the driving force, you know, getting us up the pitch. And yeah, I felt I feel like his match fitness is sort of starting to creep up more, um, which is going to help us because I've, I just feel like we're a better team um, when he plays. So yeah, I thought we I thought we were the better team. We looked really calm. And, and, then, and then a word about Martinez as well. I thought yesterday was... Not just from making saves, but um, in regards to him using his feet, I thought it was mm. Martinez's best game I've seen for a long time. And I feel there was one where he um, he chips. I think it was Che Adams. The ball was going. It's sort of like a fifty-fifty, and he just chips it over him so coolly, yeah. and then just like a little spin and passes it off. Absolutely brilliant yesterday. Well, that's what I mean. And I, I said it last week on the podcast that he's good with his feet. And I know mm. some people don't agree with that, but I think he's really, really good with his feet. Um, he looks more comfortable now doing it than he did probably just before Emery came. Um, but yeah, I thought it was... I never felt in danger yesterday. I never, ever felt in danger in that first half. said that a few times. said that a few times, haven't we, Andrew? That's what you want. Yeah, and that, that was it. I don't think I've seen a Villa team control and dominate possession as well as we did yesterday for, for a long time, if I'm being honest. And that's what gave me the confidence at half-time. I, I said to you, I said... I think we're going to win this. Are we going to win this second half, one mm. or two nil? Because it was just set up for it. You knew Villa were going to have one or two more chances in the second half, at least. And you just felt if they, you know if they can put one of these away, which by the law of averages you will do. I, I felt that Villa were going to hold out, and some people say that was a bit of fortune with the VAR and whatever decisions. Well, I, I don't think they were. Obviously, we'll come on to that, but I don't. I don't think it was fortune. Um, I just thought Villa were the better team overall, if I'm being honest. Yeah, sometimes in games like that where there aren't too many chances, neither side, you know, neither side's keepers making too many saves, it can look like it really lacks quality. A game like that, but I thought we looked like a good side despite the fact we didn't blow Southampton away. And it is important to say that Southampton are an okay side. Like they're no mugs, despite being bottom of the league. They've won the last three games, one of them being against Man City in the League Cup. So they're not mugs, and it was always going to be difficult to go there. But I just thought we, we controlled the game. We looked like a good side as well, which is really refreshing. And that second half, that's what you want to do, isn't it? Smash. I wouldn't would you say it was a smash and grab. I'm not sure. But that when, when in a game that lacks chances to take one and be clinical, which so many times we've seen Villa not be clinical. I think that was so refreshing. And a stat that absolutely blows me away is that Unai Emery in his 58 Premier League games in charge 
hasn't had a nil-nil draw in charge of Aston Villa and Arsenal. I think that's mental. No nil-nil draws in nearly 60 Premier League games. That that game against Southampton could quite easily have been a nil-nil draw. But to nick it and take those three massive points, so important. I just think when you've got that quality on the field in terms of, you know, you've got a Buendia, you've got a Bailey, you've got a Watkins, who are good players on their day. I think you've got Coutinho that... Coutinho to come on. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was bright, Coutinho. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he was absolutely brilliant, but he was, he added, I just felt he got us up the pitch a little bit more too, if I'm being honest. Mm. Like, he had those couple of like turns and those couple of spins, which got us on the road to getting up the field a little bit more. I think Buendia had a tough day yesterday. I think he was kind of, I think he was kind of like marked out of the match. I think he struggled to really find any space and sort of, sort of link up with Bailey and uh, Watkins. But, to be fair to Coutinho, I thought he came on. And what, yeah, like I say, he didn't, he wasn't absolutely spectacular, but I just felt he got us up the pitch a little bit more. I wouldn't say it was smashing, I wouldn't say it was smashing grab. I mean, we, we, we had 65% of the, of the ball possession. Um, mm. And so, and we, very, and we limited Southampton. Martin has made one very good save. Yeah, I follow a few Southampton fans on social media and they were sort of quite pleased with their performance. I think they can be, to be fair, because they have had some really, really horrible games this season. I think they are a little bit better and they do have a fighting chance of staying up. Like you said, we've had 64% of the ball, 16 shots. I don't remember too many of them, to be honest. But yeah, I thought I thought we, we, we controlled it and we probably had the better of it. Uh, two corners as well. We didn't have any corners against Leeds, which was a, a little bit mental. But yeah, the goal... The the goal was really, really nice, actually, from a set piece. It's a brilliant ball in from Douglas Louise, isn't it? Really, really good. And if I, if I wanted anyone to score, I'd pick Ollie Watkins. You, you could see as well what it meant to him. But it's a really, really nice goal. And like you said, Ollie Watkins, clinical, one chance, one goal. And it was it was, it was was a great goal, wasn't it? Yeah, and it all started from Kamara winning the free kick, which he which he's good at because he can wriggle out of um, difficult positions quite, quite easily. And he did that and he won us the free kick. And then, yeah, it was a brilliant delivery from Louise. I mean, if you're putting it in, in that area... You know, you're just praying that somebody just gets anything on it, a head or a foot, because you know it's got a large chance of going in. And um, yeah, it was a good header by Watkins, uh, quite a powerful header, and the keeper struggled to keep it out. And yeah, all credit to Watkins because he had a, as I say, he had a bit of a tough day really yesterday because I think uh, Bailey and Buendia struggled to really link up with him, and he was a little bit isolated at times, but stuck to his task. And uh, yeah, one one chance, one goal, and um, I I think he's an important player for us, um, and I think he's had a lot of stick. I know he's missed chances, um, and at times his ball, his ball control and uh, things like that can let him down. But I think he's such an important player for us. The way, where the way he runs the channels, the way he holds it up at times, um, and yeah, I was delighted he got his goal. He, I thought he worked really hard, and he and he and he really deserved it. Well, let's rewind a little bit. About ten minutes before, fifteen minutes before, Southampton obviously scored, went one 0 up. What do you make of that then? Because I, I've seen Southampton fans are fuming with that. I think they're missing a vital bit. I think they're just sort of focusing on the push, which I think is incredibly soft. But it's the fact he stands on his Achilles, isn't it? That's a foul. Like there, there's no question in that. Anywhere on the pitch, no matter what, if you stand on someone's Achilles and a little push, it's a foul, isn't it? Like we said at the time, we could see where we were. He stands on him, and it, it was a foul. I think the referee made the right decision. Southampton fans. Were don't lie to hear that, but I think I think it was a foul. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what the outrage is. If I'm being totally honest, I mean, nah. for, firstly, I'd say that anywhere else on the field that that gets given a free kick anyway. Um, and then I think the thing that I saw, I, I saw the push in, in the in the stand, and I said to you, that's a foul, surely. Isn't that what VAR's there for? VAR obviously looked at it because the referee hadn't picked up on that. VAR looked at it, and and they found a foul. They they check every goal. They, that's what they do. VAR. So they're always going to check it. And he stamped on his heel or Achilles, whatever you want to say. And it was a foul. So 
I'm not really sure what what the what what the hype was about it. If I'm being honest, no, I've I've seen goals being ruled out for for sillier things like that. <laughs> it's a foul, and it gets given, and it's nice to be on the right end of it because so many times we haven't been, and it's really really nice. But in terms of the table, we're still 11th. How can we be in this good of a form? Three wins out of four, five wins out of seven, whatever you want to say. We're still 11th, and it, it's it's nice though because we are actually only three points off sixth, which is absolutely huge. Uh, Brighton in sixth, Fulham in seventh, still yet to play. I think they play on Monday night. Um, Liverpool and Chelsea drawing, so it gets us closer to them as well. 28 points, and it's bridging that gap, isn't it? Because there's now, if you look at the Premier League table, it's now like an upstairs and downstairs. Like I think Crystal Palace are sort of lingering around the middle, but we've solidified ourselves in that top half, which I think is really, really important. And it's nice for us to be looking up rather than down now. Yeah, and um, and I think the reason why we're still 11th is because basically of the good form of Brighton and Fulham, essentially. I think they've been, yeah. you know, they've surpassed expectations, haven't they? And so that's why we're there. But I mean, in terms of league position, we can't do a lot, really. We can only win our games, can't we, I suppose, and um, and see what points tally we end up in, end up in. But I think we said at the start of the season, didn't we, we want to be the sort of best of the rest, don't we, really? that That's the ultimate aim at the moment for for Villa. In the league, it's to be the best of the rest and to have a, a run in a cup competition. So while we haven't done that in the, in, in the cup, hopefully we can sort of close that gap on being the best of the rest. It's going to be hard because Brighton and Fulham are both in great form and then you've got the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea around there who aren't having the best of seasons but should be absolute miles ahead of us realistically with their squads. So yeah, things are looking up. We can look up the table for once. We can be comfortable and sort of look up the table for once. And I saw some fans on Twitter yesterday talking about how it was a new manager bounce. It made me laugh because I thought, God, it's the longest new manager bounce ever. It's it's <laughs> one hell of a bounce. <laughs> it's even it's even extended past an entire World Cup period somehow. So like, <laughs> I just think, um, yeah, I just think people are. I I, I think people look at it and, and and they don't like a team sort of surpassing their expectations, and that's what Villa mm. are probably doing at the moment. I quite like people not really talking about it either. I keep, you know, you yes. don't really hear much about it, and people moan about that. You know, people moan about, oh, people don't talk about this, people don't talk about Kamara, people don't talk about Villa's rise from wherever we were when Steven Gerrard left, but. I like that, you know. I like going yeah. under the radar. Let them talk about the Brightons, the Fulhams, the Brentfords, and we'll sneak up there. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to. You don't want to be at the forefront of everyone's attention. You want to stay in the shadows and do your job. Um, and that's what we're doing at the moment. Uh, but I just, I, I say it every week. I know I do, but I just love the fact that we've got a manager as a game plan and different tactics for different scenarios and again you saw it yesterday as soon as we scored yesterday and Southampton were making a change I think he brings on cash for Bailey again just to shore up that right hand side of the pitch and then Donker as well yeah and as soon as we did that especially with cash on the right Southampton didn't have anything down that side in the end um and he responds like immediately which is what you which is what you need to be honest um but I mean, it sounds mad, but that's what your manager should be. But it's what we haven't had for quite a long time. And so to have somebody like that, it's just brilliant. Did you see that photo on uh, Twitter of you and I, Emery, on the club bus, literally still sat outside St. Mary's and he's already on his laptop? Like, yeah. I just love that. He's so funny. I absolutely love him, I do. Yeah, I was wondering whether he was sort of charting sort of tactics for the next game or was he like playing like a Championship Manager game or something like that? No, that's just you, mate. That's just Probably, you. Yeah, I'd have been booting up Championship Manager 0102 at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm playing with like my Darlington League or something, like the old Division 3 or something. That's what I'd have been doing. But that just sums up the, the guy he is, isn't he? He is totally obsessed with football and obsessed about getting getting everything right in his job and he's just so humble with it as well isn't he he's just like yeah we've mm-hmm. won but we got much to improve on and that's what we're aiming for etc and um 
It's, but it's just, easy. It's easy to say that though. But he's actually sincere about it, and you can tell. Yeah, he's doing it. He, he puts, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's so easy for a manager to to say those things, and you know the, all the cliches of mm. yeah, we just focus on the next match. We only focus on the next match. But you can actually see he actually believes it, and it's so refreshing to see. And I've never seen anything like it. I absolutely love the bloke. I love the bloke, and we, we'll probably say this every week on the podcast. But I'll say it a hundred times over. We talk a lot about. Credit in the bank on this podcast, don't we? We've talked we about do. it with Gerard, yeah. and maybe that's why it turned so sour with him so quickly. I think he's already got that. He's already got that. And like you said, when that sticky patch inevitably does come, because it does, and it comes with any team, no matter how good they are, I think that just gives us that ammo to sort of stay together that little bit longer. And I love it, mate. I'm absolutely loving it. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast listen from all around the world. So I want to talk about the atmosphere a little bit, because um, it was actually really good in St. Mary's yesterday, especially towards the end of the game. And whenever we scored, it was brilliant. And towards the end, my favourite bit of a way to game is when the game is finished and you don't see it on the TV cameras and the players all come over. So I make a big point of that, of leaving that clip in my videos on YouTube. Like I leave in the whole sort of 90 Mm. second, two minute clip of all the players coming over. And a bit I really liked yesterday was Emi Martinez sort of waving his arms to get the whole Villa squad over to the away end. Because that, like I said, that's something you don't see on TV or whatever. But you got the whole squad over and the atmosphere then was sensational, wasn't it? Especially with the new Unai Emery song. Fantastic. It was brilliant. I've got to give credit to the Villa fans. Um, I thought they were absolutely brilliant yesterday. As they as they are most of the time. I know there's been a lot of there's been a lot of um of criticism on, on social media about Villa support, especially at Villa Park usually, but there's been times away from home as well when you know there's been criticism. I know there was a heavy criticism about Villa fans at Fulham that night when Gerard was was inevitably sacked after the game. But do you know what? Villa fans were incredible yesterday. Absolutely incredible. They packed that away and out as they always do. Um, and it was really loud, wasn't it? It was a really loud atmosphere. And um, it probably helped. It was a three o'clock game, one of our first for a very long time. Um, forgot what it feels like. I know. I thought, what's all this about? Yeah, it just felt foreign, didn't it, really? But I'll tell you what, though. I couldn't see the old first half. The sun was in our face. Yeah, so maybe I'll do like a Friday night game. Yeah, maybe. It would have been easy to see, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah. but no, the atmosphere was brilliant. And as you say, it showed that togetherness. Between the players and the fans after the game, Martinez sort of bellowing everybody over, and then it's always like the the accustomed thing to do. It's Ashley Young's always the last one out, isn't it? You know, yeah. to receive that rapturous applause from the Villa fans because you know he universally loves the Villa fans as much as the Villa fans love him. And um, just a word on him, he's like he's just I, I don't I don't understand what that guy eats for breakfast. I don't get it. Someone I mean, test his age. Mental. He looks he looks like he's still in his early twenties for me. I mean, it's so weird. Like he, I remember I remember being well, however, I don't know. Well, I was quite young when he 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 came to Villa in like two thousand seven, seeing him as like a fresh faced winger and how incredible he was. And yet, I don't think he's lost. Much, if I'm being honest with you, I don't. I don't think he's lost hardly any of his speed. If I'm, if I'm being totally honest, and I just I look at him and I think he's not. He's not real. This bloke, he's genuinely not real. Um, and I just I love him. I do. I think he's absolutely incredible. And yeah, so he was the last one off the pitch, wasn't he? And he gave his shirt to. To, to to one of the fans at the front and he sort of stayed out to, to receive all the applause and adoration. He just loves his song. He just wanna hear his song, that's all it is. He does <laughs> and uh but yeah, big shout out to Ashley Young because uh what a guy and at the moment what a player is keeping Matty Cash out of the team at the moment. And you know what, rightly so. I just it was it was a good one. It was a really good day, wasn't it? I mean the pre match in the pub and stuff with all the Villa fans and it was um we found a really nice little spot, didn't we, yesterday and uh 
it was, in the second pub, yeah. Talk about the first pub. The beer was terrible. And we went, yeah. I mean, the first pub was, yeah. I had that pint, and it was, I don't know, it tasted. Ooh. I mean, like, the bloke behind the bar was smelling it before he gave it to me, which probably <laughs> he, li- he literally held it and just smelt it. It's so bizarre. Which probably wasn't a good sign. And then I, and I tasted it, and it was like a mixture of like, what was it? Like a mixture of like egg and metallic or something. It was like that was we- horrible. It was weird. I, I, so I didn't drink that. And then we, uh, we, we swiftly moved on to the second pub, and that was quite a nice little joint, wasn't it? Really, and. Uh, 10 15 minutes walk from the ground and it was perfect and then we saw that win which yeah absolute perfect day really all around yeah i really like southampton as a way day to be fair because it's so important for me that the sort of city center or wherever you're drinking is close to wherever the ground is and just the best bit about away days obviously when it's when when you're winning it's obviously the game but when you're not it's just that pre-match bit in it and people who aren't lucky enough to go away they just don't quite get it and that that sort of pre-match stuff with all your mates and people you don't see or haven't spoken to for ages it's so good isn't it i absolutely love it i do a lot of people you don't see outside of going to the villa um and it's yeah you just spend those few hours with them and have a good catch-up and you just make so many good friends, don't you? And uh, yeah, pre-match before the game is is brilliant. Yeah, I love it. Show a little chat about transfers then. Um, it's all going on, isn't it? I think obviously we signed John Duran. There's not too much to talk about on that, is there? Because none of us really know too much about him. Obviously, 19-year-old coming in for rumoured fees between $18 million, maybe up to 20 rising potentially. But do you reckon he'll... I don't think he's going to come into a play standings by any stretch, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of first team action I think he has been brought in especially with that, for that fee with first team action mind 100% yeah he'll 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 be on the bench and he'll be he'll get minutes here and there he, we're not going to sign him for 15 16 million and him and him not yeah. and him not play I look at his physique and the the obviously the obligatory YouTube clips that we all watch um, <laughs> and I sort of pray in my mind that he's going to be like the new Benteke because he looks like in that mould to be honest with you so yeah I, I love Benteke he was absolutely incredible and so I'm just hoping he's like our sort of next Benteke. I mean, if it works out like that and he's that sort of type of player, then I think we'd have made a master stroke signing. It's exactly what it's exactly what we need. Something different, really. So yeah, exactly. You're right. Something different, isn't it? He's only just 19, and he's a big lad, big big lad. You're right. It's something different, isn't it? And um, let's just hope it works. I mean, you like like I say, no idea. Never never watched him. I never watched him live. Never, never heard of him from being honest. Um, so I don't know. But um, let's, let, you know, let, let's give him a chance, and I'm sure he'll get time off the bench and he'll get some minutes here and there before the end of the season. We should talk about Danny Ings then. A little bit old news, but I think we'll we'll get our views across on it. Twelve million rise into fifteen is the rumored fee, and we talked about it on the coach yesterday that it probably will rise to fifteen because it's probably based on whether West Ham will stay up or not. But I think all in all, he's 31 in the summer, 18 months left. Not in Unai Emery's plans directly as we can probably tell with him not starting too many games I think it's a, a decent deal all round especially if we can get somebody in like Dembele who we'll touch on in a minute before the end of the window I think it's a good deal all round for me yeah and so do I I think it was probably the last point that Villa were going to make a decent fee on him I mean we, we paid 25 million for him so we were, we were never gonna make that back being his age when we signed him um, so we got 18 months out of him he did all right Danny Ings did absolutely fine and he got us some key, yeah, key goals at times um the one thing I'd say though, he was never he was never absolutely imperative. He was never really vital for us though, was he? I mean, whenever Watkins was fit, Watkins usually played ahead of him. And I think mm. that just said it all for me a little bit. And that's not saying he's not a good player, but I just don't think he fitted 
our manager sort of styles and systems. He was a good player to bring off the bench if you're chasing a game like against Wolves when he came on. Yeah, I think that's what we we, we would have missed against Southampton. Yeah, I think it's good now that we've got a couple of weeks off. Obviously, not ideal with it being an FA Cup weekend and us not being in it. But I think it's it's nice to have that two week break. Obviously, our next game's in February, so you've got the the rest of the January window to to get that bench a little bit more padded out. A couple of players coming back from injury. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely probably do and will miss him off the bench, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you saw it when he came off the, off the bench against Wolves and he, he did exactly what Danny Ings does well. But then when he came on against Leeds and he played nearly the whole game because of Watkins' injury. Not the same. It's not the same because he was... Well, we actually changed the way we were playing and I don't know if you get suited or don't you get suited him. I don't, he wasn't really in the game at all, was he? Um, so no, I see why Villa did it. I think if we'd have got to the summer and he was still... Well, if he was with us still in the summer, um, we'd have... You know, we wouldn't have got more than what six, seven million for him. What see what I think is, I don't think Villa expects to get an offer around the fifteen million mark, which I think is a good offer for Dennings. Um I think Villa would have probably expected to have got an offer of a six, seven, eight million, which which wouldn't have been worth it for Villa. And that's why I sort of thought he'd end up staying. But then obviously you get a club who's in like a relegation fight like West Ham and they're willing to pay that little bit more, which... A little bit of panic about yeah. them as well. Maybe splash out, maybe more than they probably should do. Which happens in January. I mean, I remember years ago when Villa sort of panicked and bought Darren Bent all them years ago and we paid way over the odds. We paid, even back then, it was like 18 million rising to 24, which was crazy money. That was... What was that? About twelve years ago now, so it's a lot, quite a long time ago. So it was a lot of money back then. But teams do panic. Um, I don't think West. Oh, I don't know about that one. I'm not not sure that was even panic. I'm just just feeling I was desperate. Even being honest with you, just I was in the hope he was just going to turn into some sort of like Pele sort of superstar. When I mean he was, I mean he didn't didn't even look like a footballer. Let's be totally honest. So I can see why we did it. He's on a lot of he was on a lot of money as well. Wages wise, he yes. was one of our highest earners. Very important. About one hundred and twenty grand, one hundred and twenty five grand a week, and so mm. it balances the books FFP wise, I suppose, a little bit as well, and it gives us that extra room to manoeuvre in the market. We'll see. Let's hope we can bring some bring some quality that's going to add something to the squad before the end of the window. But yeah, on the Danny Ings thing, I think Villa probably made the right decision all round, really. Yeah, nothing against him. I really like Danny Ings and you could tell by the statement that Villa put out when he got sold that he was thought of very highly at the club and it's nice to see. It's nice to have those those nice characters but if they're not in your plans, they're not in your plans and you're going to sell them if you're going to get decent money for them. So ideally for you, what does the rest of January look like? Because I don't think, like you said, I think it's really important not to just buy players and fill spaces for a laugh or just because we can. I don't think that's the right idea and I don't think Villa will do that. If there is a striker, for example, Moussa Dembele, who's out of contract in the summer, who you can either get for free in the summer or you can get for a really low fee uh, now, I think that's a no-brainer. Three million quid now, absolutely pretty much no risk at all in that. I'd, I'd, I'd be more than happy with the Moussa Dembele kind of signing, especially with his goal record, by the way. Absolutely fantastic. Since he's been at Leon, 120 games, 55 goals. I think there's a few stats going around that last year in Ligue 1, there was only a couple of players, I think Mbappe and Ben Yedda, that had scored more goals than him. So for three million quid, mate, risk-free signing. I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, I mean, he's had a tough year this year. He's only scored two or three this year. But um, if you look at his record before that, yeah, he scored 21 last season. Um, he's only... He's only still twenty six, so he's not he's not old. Um, he's had he's had experience in Britain before. He's been with Celtic, obviously, and he banged the goals in for them. And so, I don't think it'd be a bad one. I mean, three million it's it's kind of risk free, isn't it? And um, mm. the fact is, if you bought him for three million, and then even in the summer you thought, mm, not quite sure he was what we were looking for, you'd probably get your three million or more back. So you'd probably make a profit yeah. anyway, to be honest. So it would be fairly risk free for Villa. Just depends whether Emery thinks he's going to. 
be better than what we've got, I suppose. I think I think, I think that's the key. That is the key to it. I'm a little bit worried that there's been no other links apart from Dembele, though. It doesn't sound like the Dale, the Dale Feo sort of rumours are true. And I, I think I already got injured today in their match anyway. So I'm not sure that's a goer. And then I think he wants a midfielder. Um, and I can see sort of... When do he linked? Yeah, I think I think he would be an unreal signing. I think he's he has um, he has massively improved since he's gone to Marseille. I don't think he was a bad player at Arsenal, uh, but they were in a time of you know they weren't great at the time. Arsenal weren't, and fans were all frustrated. But he's been great at Marseille. Um, he'd be a lot of money. He's an example of what you said, isn't it? About improving yeah, on what yeah. you've already got. He's not going to come in and just fill a space. He is real, real quality. No, no, and that's it. And I think, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he'd come in and straight away take the space of. Somebody performing well, though, either. He wouldn't be an automatic starter for me, but he improves. On competition. Yeah, he improves on your depth. And, he, and, I, and I think he would play in that role where sort of Miggy and Ramsey, sort of Buendia sort of sit at the moment in Emery's sort of 4 2 sort of lineup. So, yeah, I think that would, that would be my ideal window heading into the last week. Get a couple of the, some of the Deadwood out in terms of Sanson, Nakamba, Augustinson, and bring in those two, a striker and a central midfielder for me. And then we can. Put the January transfer window to bed. I absolutely hate the transfer window, by the way. I hate the month of January. Especially the last week. Hate, it's just yeah. chaos, isn't it? Do you know what I always say? I said this to somebody the other day, um, that January is always my least productive month at work. Um, <laughs> I don't get anything done. It's always like when Villa Olympia Apart from players. championship manager. Well, that yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, but I mean, in terms, of, in terms of actual work, I don't get anything done. I'm always like refreshing Twitter and uh, looking on other Villa websites to get my news and then by the time you by the time you know it, it's four o'clock and you've done absolutely nothing and so yeah January is <laughs> not one of my favourite months to be honest with you um, so yeah I'm looking forward to the window being short looking forward to just concentrating on on the football again really just just on our games and our results and so but yeah let's hope we can have a, a positive final week of the window and we can get a couple of deals over the line that, that would be absolutely perfect yeah I expect quite a decent amount of movement in the last week of the window, especially well, as long as it's good movement, as we've touched on. Next few fixtures, then obviously touched on not playing next week because we're out of the FA Cup. Uh, nice little trip to Stoke. It would have been next week, which I've never said this in my life, but I would have loved to have gone to Stoke in the FA Cup. Um, but it's not to be. Obviously, we've got Leicester City at home, which is a Saturday three o'clock game. Am I seeing that right? Saturday three o'clock. Is that our first one since... Everton at home, first home game of the season, I think. That no, that was no, that wasn't three. That weren't three o'clock. This is going to be our first one of the season. That was. Oh, uh, it? That was half oh twelve. That was half twelve. The Everton one. This is our first home game at three o'clock on a Saturday of the entire season. How mad's that? That is absolutely stupid. Man City away the week after that, Sunday half four. Not ideal for us going to the game. That's going to be a late one. Arsenal at home after that, Everton away, and then Palace at home. I think there's a couple of hard games in there, obviously. A couple of games where you'd expect to win. I think there's a decent number of points in there for us, mate. I think every game's hard, though, in the Premier League. And we've had a, I think Emery's had a tough start anyway with the likes of Liverpool, Spurs. Um, exactly right into yeah. play so I don't think any game's easy so yeah Man City and Arsenal will be tough um, but let's deal with it when it's here really but yeah really positive um, we're doing well doing extremely well so yeah let's hope we can keep it up it just, just feels nice doesn't it to be so positive all of a sudden and to to, to feel like we've got a plan moving forward and feels like the fans are back connected with the players again and that, that was what was so so nice about yesterday seeing all the players over with the fans after the game and all 3,000 Villa fans sort of staying until a good 15 minutes after the game yesterday, just singing in the stands. It was just really nice to mm. be a part of. And um, and yeah, long may it continue because I think the Villa faithful and the Villa away faithful have been starved for quite a little while now. So just just have a little bit of success, a little period of 
sustained success for the football club, and I think that's what we we would all get on board with, and that's what and, that, and that's what we all want, isn't it? Love it, yeah. And I think it was three away wins in a well, it's three away wins in a row now, isn't it? Yeah. I think for the first time since we uh, that first season behind closed doors, I think it was, but obviously we weren't there, so it doesn't yeah. quite feel the same. But mate, I think that's a really nice place to end it. Really, really positive, happy days at the moment at the Villa. If you haven't already checked out that Southampton video, please go and do that on the Villa on Tour YouTube channel. Another away win, absolutely buzzing. The support on the channel and the support on the podcast has been really, really good recently. So thank you so much for that. As I said at the top of the show, if you haven't already subscribed on Spotify or Apple, whatever you're listening to, please go and do that so you never, never miss an episode. Without further ado, we'll probably do something next week talking about uh, whatever transfers have gone on Unai Emery starts at Aston Villa and just waffle a little bit more about how much we love the bloke we'll probably do that next week when there's obviously no Villa game without further ado thank you so much for listening and up the Villa Villa